Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to Culture Night. Where each week we drink fancy wine and watch movies that are in some way culturally significant. I'm Andrew. And I'm Sarah. And we're here for episode 10. Oh man. Woo. Double digits. I know. I I, th- I mean, I thought we'd make it this far, yeah. but it's just exciting to be here. Yeah. It feels like it's gone by really fast. I feel like we just started this podcast and we're already on double digits. Again, thank you to anybody that's listening, watching, liking, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all the things. If you haven't liked, subscribed, rated, or reviewed, what better time than episode 10? Yeah. Um, and for anyone who's watching on or listening on Google Podcasts, there's something kind of messy going on there where it's combined this podcast with one of a similar name. I don't really know what's going on there because the episodes appear to be ours, but it doesn't have all of them, but the logo is messed up. So you can go ahead and review it if you want. I don't know if it'll actually count towards us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll then try to look into it. I guess it was the last week that you finally added the support for YouTube, YouTube podcast. Yeah. So if anyone has that on app um, update, then you should be able to listen to our podcast there as well. And yeah, we're like all the all places. The business we have this week. Mm-hmm. And now we will go back into our slept on it segment of for ferris bueller's day off from last week and we will start off with does your rating change after sleeping on it you gave it a 7.8 last week i think that feels about right i don't know if it's quite in the eight range but i think 7.8 if anything maybe 7.9 but mm-hmm. 7.8 sounds, sounds about right How about you yeah i gave it a 7.2 and i feel good about 7.2 mm-hmm. would i watch it if it was on tv absolutely mm-hmm. quotable quotable lots of memes from it yep um just a good like cult mm. classic, but mm. um, not not quite in the eights. It was I, YouTube before YouTube. It was very YouTube. culturally significant. <laughs> um, and so now I have a couple deep dives. Speaking of the YouTube aspect, yes. Um, so first of all, I was gonna look into the breaking of the fourth wall. We kind of talked about it last week with, um, you know, was that really common before this? Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I started looking into it and there's a lot of information out there on breaking the fourth wall. And it seems to be something that is fairly common mm-hmm. in film, theater, I I like TV. Obviously first in theater. And I think mm-hmm. it was probably really common in the and, really old. Plays. And it goes way, way back. Um, and apparently it wasn't really called that mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and it was, now it's more of like a comedic thing to break the fourth wall is it's most often seen in comedy. Whereas I don't think that was as much the case before. Yeah. I can't really imagine it in in a very serious role. Like now I feel like it Mm -hmm. only can be used for comedic purposes. For sure. So I didn't really go too deep into the fourth wall, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's a common thing. I think it's getting more common, especially in the comedy aspect. Yeah. Now it's just called being meta. Oh God, (laughs) you're not wrong. And then um, the other thing that I looked into is um, I mentioned last week that the parade scene for Ferris Bueller was um, like they just kind of happened upon the parade. Mm -hmm. And so I looked into that a little bit more. And according to um, this website, um, Xfinity.com had a behind the scenes about the movie. And according to this, their article about it, by sheer coincidence, the Ferris Bueller's Day Off crew was scheduled to film their parade scene at the same time as the real Real life Von Steuben Day Parade in Chicago. In fact, the Ferris Bueller's Day Off cast and crew inserted their own float into the lineup without asking for permission. Oh, wow. So they just completely happened upon this parade. Yeah, but they happened to have a float? I think they were going to shoot their parade that day. And there also happened to be a real parade when they so were planning. So that parade was not the, the, the parade that was happening was, it wasn't the one they were going to act in the movie mm-hmm. okay i thought it was just kind of like a plot line they wrote into the movie by chance and then it happened to turn into all that and i was like that seems like a lot to kind of last minute be like oh yeah and then he's gonna sing and then mm-hmm. yeah no they 
were already planning to do a parade. They stumbled upon a real parade and just kind of threw themselves in there and uh, made a movie scene. Yeah. I wonder what day of the week it was on. Because I imagine it would have to have really been a weekend. Yeah. Because I, w- I was going to be surprised if it actually was like a weekday parade, like mm-hmm. they kind of prepared the movie, which Because we both again, still can't get over very that. very impractical. <laughs> I'd be very angry if I was a driver. <laughs> for sure. In, in a downtown major city. Mm-hmm. Um, and then while looking for the parade scene information, I did find uh, some other fun facts about the movie that I wanted to share really quick because I thought they were really interesting. So um, kind of also going back to something we talked about last week, you asked if Tom Cruise had been considered for the role or wanted the role or whatever. Mm -hmm. And according to the same Xfinity behind the scenes website, um, that it was a really popular role and a lot of people really were interested in it. And those people whose names were in the hat or were really interested for it were Rob Lowe, John Cusack, Jim Carrey, Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise, Robert Downey Jr. And Michael J. Fox. I read something similar along that, that Tom Cruise wasn't really strongly in consideration because he, hadn't really had his breakout role of Top Gun. That's when he like really kind of launched mm-hmm. into being um, the big movie star that he, he is. Um, but that if he had somehow landed this role, that the alternates for Top Gun were Patrick Swayze and I think Michael J. Fox. No. Yeah. I mean, I could see Michael J. Fox for Ferris Bueller's Day mm-hmm. Off. I, I, think it, I think it shook out the way it needed to. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting because you had mentioned that mm-hmm. last week. Um, and then also apparently love was in the air on the set behind the scenes. Oh. And that Matthew Broderick and Jen- Jennifer Grey, who played brother and sister on the movie, dated and got engaged just before the theatrical release of the movie. Obviously didn't work out long term. Mm-hmm. But interesting romance behind the scenes. Yeah, a little bit incest on the, on the set. And also the actor and actress who played their parents, Cindy Pickett and Lehman Ward met on set, got married and had two children. Crazy. So I wonder if they named them what Ferris and Jeannie. <laughs> Great names. Yes. But sadly they also got divorced in 1992. So mm, not true love. Yes. And then one last fun fact is that, um, uh, Charlie Sheen is apparently a very method actor and apparently he stayed up for 48 hours before shooting his scenes in the movie. It sure looked like it. So that he could really um, portray the strung out druggie in the police station. So he just stayed up for two straight days. Or he could have just done some drugs, but maybe, I know, maybe, I maybe like his, that's his cover. He's like, I, oh no, um, I stayed up for two days. Or maybe I mean, he stayed up for two days because he was on drugs. You never know. But those were just some fun facts. There was a couple more in there, but I thought those were the most interesting. So... Cool. Great movie, and uh, now we're ready for this week. Mm-hmm. What are we drinking? Uh, this week we are drinking the 2015 Tobin James 5. Yes, we had to bring back another 5 for episode 10. And can you read us the yeah, grapes got, on the back? It's uh, the Cabernet Sauvignon, 22%. It's 21% Cab Franc, 20% Petit Verdot, 19% Merlot, and 18% Malbec. So I'd like to compare that to the ratio from our last five yeah, we'll five episodes ago um but yeah a lot of good a lot of good grapes there let's check it out it smells very spicy on the nose yeah it feels a little alcohol forward mm-hmm. it smells like like christmas or like winter time cozy winter vibes i get like some floral notes from it I don't know. I get Christmas okay, and I'm getting like more of that now that the earthy. alcohol part's kind of subsided. Yeah. Mm. 
Oh, I get a lot more of that spice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a little alcoholy, and I'll be interested to see if once we let it sit a little bit longer and do the fancy twirl and air it out a little bit more, if that mm-hmm. kind of dissipates a little bit. But I do yeah, like it. A little bit of red skittle there. A very refined palate wine drinkers. I don't think I get the red, red skittle, but I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot, actually. So, so far, fives are just proving to be very mm-hmm. great wines. All right. And then what are we watching tonight? Uh, this week, we are watching The Breakfast Club from 1985. Almost in the same year again, but mm-hmm. back a year. It is rated R. So, which surprised expecting me. lots and lots of boobs, lots of swearing, lots of everything. If, if we know what PG was at the time, this has got to be mm-hmm. the X rated. And also, just like last week, was Ferris Bueller was PG 13. That I don't know, I was really alarmed when mm-hmm. I looked this up and saw that it was R. And I don't, I mean, I've seen it before, it's jumping ahead, yeah. Spoiler alert that I, I don't really know why it's R, but I'll, I'll be interested to, to be paying attention. So and definitely seen it that. before and seen it on TV multiple times, but I'm wondering if I've ever seen it like not the TV version before. Because one scene that I remember that I don't know if it's actually what he says or if it's just the TV bad dub where at one point, um, forget the character's name is um, yelling at the principal. He's yelling, eat my shorts, which sounds like a really weird thing to yell for some at someone, especially in an R-rated movie that I'm interested to see if that's actually what he yells mm-hmm. or if that's what the TV I, version was. Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out. There's a lot of like fun like memes of like movies that have like really bad dubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one always um, stuck with me. Um, but take us back into 1985. Um, the top three movies released that year were Back to the Future, speaking of Michael J. Fox, uh, grossing $190 million, Beverly Hills Cop grossing $157 million, and Rambo First Blood Part Two at $150 million. Um, and the top three songs of the year were Careless Whisper by Wham!, like a Virgin by Madonna and Wake Me Up Before You Go Go by Wham as well. So. I know two of those three mm-hmm. songs. Yeah. Um, starting to get some more familiar songs as we're getting closer to yeah. our time. You know, yeah, our era. <laughs> um, back to Have You Seen It Before, I just want to say that I saw it. So I have seen it before. I've seen it probably a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not super familiar because it has been a while now since I've seen it. But the first time I ever saw it was when I was in college. I had to watch this for a class. Um, I was a human development major in college. And mm-hmm. so I, uh, I believe it was like the class was called middle childhood and adolescence, I think is what it was called. And we had to watch a bunch of teen drama movies or drama comedy movies and like analyze them for like different teen stereotypes and like teen behaviors. You happen to have that paper or whatever report you gave for this? Honestly, I probably do. Ooh. It might be fun to include next week. Deep dive for next week. I will find yeah. whatever I did. because analytical I, paper. I definitely still have my old college laptop, which still has everything on it. So, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't even, I was excited remembering watching it for the first time. Like I remember being in my like dorm bed mm-hmm. and I, I don't know how it, we got copies or access to it, but we had to watch that this in Twilight, which I was so mad about because I've never mm-hmm. seen Twilight or read any of the Twilight books, but we, we read yeah. Breakfast Club and I was like, oh, I'm finally watching a movie. I've always felt like I need to see. So nice. I'm excited to, to see what your uh, college uh, perspective on the movie was and yes. it changed especially the because then decade. i was much closer to being like a high school teenager than mm-hmm. i am now that just to read that and just to watch it again now as an adult and see mm-hmm. how those compare yeah Ooh, we'll see how it all shakes out and uh, what do you know what are your expectations anything we want to put out there i, I mean, mean we've seen it we've before seen it before so i'm excited to kind of jump into it and uh mm-hmm. 
and watch it. Yeah. Episode our, 10. Our review. All right. Yeah. Ready to drink some more wine. That's for sure. Cause this is delicious. Let's go. Jump into breakfast club. So that was the breakfast club. <laughs> All right. And, ready? Uh, yeah. Start with our wine. Yeah. Wine scale. I'm going to give it a, so uh, let's describe the wine scale first. Mm-hmm. Um, it is zero to 10 and it's not necessarily like zero being crop water. It's like zero is like, we're already assuming it's a pretty good wine. Mm-hmm. 10 being like, it's like the nectar of the gods. Um, I'm going to give it a 5.2. Oh. I had it at a 7.3. Mine is mainly because of just the amount of sediment <laughs> we had in ours. <laughs> and that happened for me for, for some other wine. So mm-hmm. I can appreciate it. Your sediment was worse yeah. than mine. Flavor wise, like if we take out the sediment, I'll give it a 6.6. Mm-hmm. It was good also, flavor wise. Um, wine itself, good. Um, I don't have too much to say about it, honest. I just was really mm-hmm. off put by the sediment. I mean, I will say I'm like a little scared to say 6.8, 6.9 because that's my, my range apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the spicy earthiness of it, but... It was a little alcohol forward and a little sedimenty. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit because of its age being 2014, but overall. Yeah. Probably our fault for storage yeah. and everything and not like filtering it before we poured it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. I did. I did very much enjoy the whole mm-hmm. bottle. Good. Delicious. Tobin James 5, 2014. We love you, Teach. Um, movie rating out of 10. Can we go first? Yes. Seven and a half. Yeah, I'm still thinking. I'm still like around the six point seven. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like it's a very iconic movie. I've seen it before. Um, I just thought there was a lot more. It felt kind of dragged out. Yes, I can appreciate that. Move slowly. I mean, obviously, it's a movie about a bunch of kids in a library, so like it's going to be kind of slow. Um, I am obviously would watch a lot of it if it would just happen to be on tv um it's not super quotable but there are like a lot of memorable scenes from it Mm -hmm. um but yeah i uh, really like it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's a very comfortable movie i don't know there's something like not nostalgic but just like and I i think that's how i felt about ferris bueller too is i've i mean i've seen this more than i've seen ferris bueller but just something about it was just like it's just feels nice Mm -hmm. and i think i appreciate why this was so popular in the 80s and i feel like although like the clothes and the the language of how they like talk to each other and stuff Mm -hmm. is probably very 80s and outdated from what it is today but i think that like so much of the overarching story Mm -hmm. is so applicable through the generations and you can you kind of identify with one person or another or a couple a couple parts of a couple different people and I, i i just feel so much of that when i watch I it i think there's like a familiar feeling about pretty much all the characters mm-hmm. in it even the teacher and the janitor like mm-hmm. everyone you just kind of feel related you feel like you can relate to all of them mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it, i it leaves me with a, with a good feeling as like heavy as some of it is mm-hmm. just i don't know every time i watch it i'm always like this is a, this is a really good movie so mm-hmm. seven and a half for me yeah um, so let's move on to the Wikipedia description. Um, yes. I will go first. I, we really need to change our thing to say, yeah. not say Wikipedia description because yeah. we don't read Wikipedia. What's our, what's our, our gist? Um, you give a gist. Andrew's synopsis over. versus TV screens synopsis. Yes. Um, 
uh, it's a coming of age film. It's it's a bunch of kids in a library that unite despite their differences and reveal some truths about themselves after letting their guard down and find that they have more in common than they thought. Excellent. You always do such a good job. I'm sorry we always put you on the spot for I that. I practice all week. <laughs> but but you always you come think with I'm a really succinct. No, I'm actually practicing for the podcast oh i love that okay according to the description that's up here it says five high school students from different walks of life endure a saturday detention under a power hungry principal the disparate 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 you said it right both times i don't think there's really a wrong way to say it but i'm sure you'll find one okay oh no i gotta stop laughing <laughs> the <laughs> the disparate, disparate Disparate group mm-hmm. includes Rebel John, Princess Claire, Outcast Allison, Brainy Brian, and Andrew the Jock. <laughs> I thought I was just going to say, and Andrew. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is so far the best description we've had so far. <laughs> and Andrew. <laughs> and Andrew I feel the seen. Jock. <laughs> not, not as the Jock, just the and Andrew. <laughs> Each has a chance to tell his or her... <laughs> I always have such a hard time reading this, but this one's the hardest. Okay. Each has a chance to tell his or her story, making the others see them a little differently. And when the day ends, the question whether... Dot, dot, dot. Stay tuned. We'll never know. Find out on next episode. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't get as quite as artsy in the description, but... This is always more artsy and more descriptive yeah. than yours. I feel like you give the really succinct like, I like, to, I like to get quality. The yeah. Um, How well did... Or, sorry. I got excited. I jumped at. Mm-hmm. Was the movie what you expected? Yes, having seen it. Yes, for sure. Um, if you just told me the title of it, not at all. Mm-hmm. I would expect, like, the first time I heard of The Breakfast Club, I assumed it was, like, some kids, like, I don't know, talk show type thing. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, this a little skips ahead to does the title, did they say the title, does it fit, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They don't say it. But I almost wish they did mm-hmm. in some they, kind of. Oh, they do. They do? Yeah, they sign off. Say, signed. The Breakfast Club. Okay, clearly that's when I, I had already I had already signed. He said sign signing off or whatever, and I just <laughs> tuned out. Credits were already rolling for you. Um, yes, they do say the title of the movie, but only the very end. And it honestly doesn't really fit. Not to get to the next part of it, um, but to get to the next part of it, uh, they kind of forced it at the very end. It's almost like they had the title in, in mind, mm-hmm. and maybe they cut out some scenes or some lines or augmented the script but it just seems like they're all out of nowhere they're just like signed the breakfast club the title of the movie i mean according to my light research i didn't look up what the title meant but Mm -hmm. it was based off of what the the saturday detentions were called at john hughes high school Uh, as they just called it the breakfast club some kind of lead up into that would have been nice Mm -hmm. especially as someone who was not alive when this movie came out and watched it as a college kid in mm-hmm. 2010 2011 that makes a lot more sense now to have some um, kind of background would be nice like in the movie yeah and and it fits when you when you See, know the that more i'm looking at the word breakfast now it's not looking like a word anymore so um <laughs> but the, the fact that he called it the breakfast club because that's what it's called as high school and apparently that was like a known thing at least to him or maybe some maybe in the time that's what that was called um just reminds me of when um there was a newspaper article written about my brother and it was talking about how he joined the 
uh, track team so that he so casual <laughs> could avoid riding the the school bus or the big cheese as they call it like literally no one i've ever heard calls it but like in the newspaper article they that's like that's what they wrote it almost feels like that same vibe with the whole the breakfast club as they called it you know detention mm-hmm. or as the kids say, just sure maybe someone said it at some point but yeah and i mean it's a cool name for saturday mm-hmm. detention makes it seem mildly more exciting but yeah to an outsider it doesn't really mean a whole lot yeah maybe like the misfits or detention or yeah, coming of age 80s movie with much teenagers. but i also feel like we can't really argue with it because it's such a classic movie i've always hated the title though always hated it <laughs> just because it just doesn't fit what my mind thinks but mm-hmm. it is a very member like i feel like everyone knows or has heard of the breakfast club at this point it's it is what it is but yeah mm-hmm. i just still don't think it really fits yeah but i get it now that you say that yeah um uh, so backtracking a little bit how well did it age um I don't know. I mean, well, I've, it aged well. Could it be made today? I think it'd be a lot different. But just because nowadays I feel like you're not allowed to have detention, especially not outside of school in most schools. Um, but if you like took the whole we're taking your phone aspect and made kids actually talk, I feel like you could make a remake of it. Other than the fact that nowadays most schools are not going to allow detention, let alone um, Saturday detentions. Mm-hmm. I think tweaking some things, it could definitely be made today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But I do, I backtracking too, did it age well? I think it, I mean, it, it was made in the eighties about the eighties. So it describes that time really well, but it also has such overarching themes of what it's like to be in high school. And yes, being in mm-hmm. high school in the 2020s or in the, 2000s when we were in high school or in the 80s are yeah. all different but there's still the stereotypes the clicks like all of that stuff is still a thing yeah and, and it and it gives you a look into the high school time and it felt a lot of like what i kind of sensed from my time in, in high school like late 2000s um that a lot there were a lot of like barriers or like defenses set up against like the, or between the various cliques of like oh we couldn't possibly talk to them because of this but like once you actually talk to them you realize that you know most of them have their own insecurities have their own like things going on but are actually at least at my school for the most part very nice people and very welcoming of anyone who wa- happens to want to talk to you i don't know if it was the same at your school but at least from my um experience it there was a lot of like you know we're this click, we couldn't possibly talk to them, but then they actually talk to them in class or for some reason realize, hey, actually we're all just kids. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> high school was weird for me. <laughs> I like it. the few things that stick out into my mind because I've c- completely just forgotten a lot of high school apparently mm-hmm. that like the times that I talked to people that I didn't regularly talk to, like in class or whatever, it was similarly of like, yes, you're a nice person. Like we can talk in class, but it was also like this where it's like, are you going to talk to me outside of here? Probably not. That was, that was Mm -hmm. a lot more the vibe at my school. Yeah. I guess I never really got that. I, you know, maybe I just was oblivious and naive, but for the most part, if I was going to talk to someone in class, I'd also talk to them anywhere I saw them. And there wasn't really any sort of like judgment there, at least in high school. My middle school, there's a lot more 
of the you know, bullying and the the barrier set up. But in high school, it was very much kind of like this of like, hey, you're kind of weird, so I'm not going to talk to you. But once I do finally talk to you, turns out you're okay. Mm-hmm. Must be nice. I wish I'd gone <laughs> literally anywhere else for high school. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and were there any actors that went on to do bigger things? Yeah, pretty much all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like this was one of the earlier Brad Pack movies, mm-hmm. so they all, yeah, kind of. Emilio Estevez might have been in some things. I don't know. Anthony don't Michael know. Hall, Molly Ringwald. Who? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty good cast. I mean, the cast was like seven people total, but I know I was thinking about that when you were talking about how about the principal and the janitor, mm-hmm. and I was like, God, the cast was like seven people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I mean, I, there, I, but there I love are those, a couple like, bottle parents. movies where it's just, you know, very mm-hmm. small set. Um, spoiler alert on one of my notes, though, is that I, I felt like this movie very well sh- could or should be a play. Mm-hmm. Like, especially like in a, in a, for a high school to make this play. Um, Ooh. Because you could high make the, most of the set. playing it? Oh, is, I love is it. a single set, maybe a little bit of like, you know, the running through the halls or um, getting dropped off. But like mm-hmm. for the most part. It's a single set and very small cast. It would just be memorizing a lot of lines. Yes. But Ooh, yeah, that would be tough. But I think it'd be a really cool play. For sure. It'd be really cool. I hadn't thought about that. Love that. Um, Do you think this movie had any impact on pop culture? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. For sure. I mean, I mean, starting with the very beginning of the Don't You Forget About Me, that I feel like is just such an iconic scene of, well, uh, at the very end is when he raises his fist in the air, but... Um, the fact that... Um, I mean, the second the beat dropped, I was like, yes. You're transported back in time. But the fact that the Don't You Forget About Me is the title of the John Hughes documentary, like mm-hmm. it just, I feel like that song and so much of this, the scenes near just encapsulates like that, you know, time. The, the high school vibe, especially shown as shown through the mid 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just, I feel like there's so many movies or um, shows that like either make like a... a uh, make fun of it or make a reference to it or quote it um just and on that note i don't know if i actually said this last week but the uh, ferris bueller vanity plates that we were talking about the sisters was tbc which was for the breakfast mm-hmm. club so there was our another I reference can't. in a movie mm-hmm. which was reversed ordered but we'll, ca- we'll count that as another movie referenced in well, there movie. was also vanity plate the um i guess brian anthony michael hall's um family's mm-hmm. car was EMC2, mm-hmm. so equals MC squared, showing that he's a, a nerd. Yeah, I, mean, I did make a note, like, vanity plate, thinking, like, oh, maybe we'll see some more. But <laughs> then they don't leave the car you see. <laughs> so that's the yeah. only car you see. But apparently John Hughes likes to hide those little nuggets mm-hmm. in his movies. Yeah. Just little fun things. And do you feel cultured after watching it? Um, I mean, no more cultured than I did before because I have seen it. But mm-hmm. I feel like you can't say that you, like, are a, you know, cultured movie person without having seen the breakfast mm-hmm. club i have to say i do feel really proud that i had already seen mm-hmm. this going into it because i just knowing my history with movies and not seeing popular movies or the, having heard of a lot of popular movies okay blazing saddles <laughs> was was an exception <laughs> but that, that i've seen this and i've seen it multiple times just makes me like pat on the back for myself that i've seen something that's a big cult classic and i but i am glad to have seen it again especially as an adult kind of like we were talking about in the before show of I like thinking back to this paper I wrote in college, mm-hmm. how I'll view it differently from what I did when I was 20, 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd like to think more like when I have more than just a couple seconds to process it about 
what movies about being a teenager would have been like before and after this. I feel like a lot of what they showed was kind of more um, actually processing being a kid mm-hmm. and as opposed to like just fitting a stereotype. It was more like, hey, you're the jock. You do all these things. But like, why might you do those things? You're the, you know, the nerd. You have to be perfect. You have straight A's, but why? Like all of those things, I feel like this might have been one of the first movies to really kind of peel that back. Mm-hmm. It almost feels a little bit ahead of its time with Mm-hmm. with how they like almost i mean well allison sees a shrink shrink mm-hmm. which i feel like is not a word that's used as often anymore but or with you know, a very negative connotation mm-hmm. like but she goes to therapy and, and talks well, about she it says that but then apparently she says she's a compulsive liar also so she true might not have but she even but the fact that she even referenced it in the mm-hmm. 80s and um just being so um self-reflective on who you are seemed Seems a lot more ahead of its time than what I typically think of the 80s. Yeah. So, great movie. Loved it. All right. On to our notes. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, my first note is John Hughes. He Did he write it or just direct it? Uh, I think all of them. All the things. Yeah. Um, well, he didn't direct it. So it was directed by Jackie Birch, but I'm pretty sure he wrote it. Okay. So, it's a John Hughes-influenced movie. Mm-hmm. It's a classic. He's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not really much more to say there, yeah. just that we need to acknowledge that he was involved in this movie. You can definitely feel like his uh, influence on all parts of it. For sure. I will say I felt it a little bit more last week mm-hmm. than I did this week, but still a great movie. Yeah, I just feel like um, thinking back to in Ferris Bueller when Cameron is in the, they're watching the stock oh, thing and he's doing those weird like motions, whatever things. I feel like I feel that vibe of he just thought that kids just did like weird motions and things Mm -hmm. you kind of see that in some of the weird um not b-roll but like weird interstitial scenes with them where there's music going on there's acting odd and i also feel like ferris are weird so he's not wrong ferris and his friends were a little introspective of themselves and each other and Mm -hmm. like why they are the way that they are a little bit more than i typically think of in a Mm -hmm. teen drama so maybe that had something to do with him um, and then we've talked a little bit about opening credits on movies and mm-hmm. this one was really boring. This, I feel like was, you referenced in one of the podcasts mm-hmm. about it was better than just like the boring credit that where they're just like over a blank screen or a blank mm-hmm. picture. Yeah. Top Gun's opening credits, way better than this one. Yeah. This was very this boring. Was just like show something on screen, black. Show John Hughes, like name, black. Show like starring, mm-hmm. black. And it just, there was nothing yeah, for like just, five minutes. Yeah, thumbs I mean, down on the, the, on the opening credits. Playing, Don't you forget about me. Like, yes. I was going to fast forward through that. Um, and then, obviously, with most of the credits happening ahead of time and it being a very small cast, not much production, the ending credits were very short. Mm-hmm. I feel like even if they had just shown, like, pictures of the school with the credits in it, mm-hmm. would have been a little more exciting. But the black and plain text, boring. But not boring was how they ended the credits, where they had the quote by David Bowie that I will bring back Mm-hmm. next week because i didn't write it down but they have the quote and then it explodes into the screen <laughs> and we were just like really hoping that maybe there was like a 3d release mm-hmm. of the breakfast like club these weird animated like shards of the screen just exploding out i just mentioned somebody coming to the, watch the movie with 3d, 3D glasses and be like this is great this is great and like that's literally the only 3d yep. part of it yep. <laughs> i just it just oh didn't, my god you like, guys the opening credits <laughs> it was so 3d and i was like maybe there'll be something where like this will kind of fit the vibe mm-hmm. of the movie but the more i kept watching i was like i don't I don't understand why they needed to explode the quote. And off how the much of the budget of the movie went to that one animation? Probably more, <laughs> <laughs> more than you would think. <laughs> um, just thought that was funny. Um, and then just Saturday detention. 
Is that a thing? Was that a thing? I don't think so. I, no. I don't think any teacher or admin wanted to be there to, to do that. Um, they probably would have just rather you just come in or spend your day in detention on Monday or be expelled. I don't know. I mean, as a, as a former teacher, you know, I've thought a lot about the education system and stuff, but like, and I know that you want to make it something that's undesirable so that students will behave and like, mm-hmm. you, I mean, as, as a teacher, you're trying to control a lot of children and, or these are, they're not children, but like, I understand that struggle. Mm-hmm. But I'm not giving up my Saturday to be at school to watch these kids. And it and it's eight hours they were there. Eight hours? That's a full day on a Saturday. And not just that, but I feel like nowadays parents would be like, no, we already have plans with our kid, so we're not going to send them to detention because we already are planning on going to somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the first time that happens, it's like well, the teacher would have been like, well, we're going to fail them. But then as soon as No Child Left Behind passed and all that sort of stuff, and now kids are just passed on through, you kind of lose that lever so that admin or teachers would be like, well, we can't do anything if they don't come to detention so it must have just had to stop yeah it just seemed like i mean for an adult i mean Mm -hmm. mr i also have noted this mr vice principal getting paid thirty one thousand dollars a year are you getting paid extra to be there for eight full hours on a saturday Mm -hmm. if you're not i'm not giving up eight hours of my life to sit at school no way yeah absolutely not i just i don't think that um made really i mean it'd be a good deterrent for some people, but for others, it's just kind of a waste of everyone's time of being mm-hmm. like, we're going to waste a Saturday for not just the kid, but also the teachers that have to be there, unless they're like grading papers or we're going to plan on being in there anyways. But it seemed like the vice principal was just killing time, drinking yeah. beers on the job. So yeah. going through everyone's confidential files. Yeah. He was not using his time wisely. Um, we, we talked a lot while we were watching it, just like their outfits. And I think this is just a sign of the style of the 80s and the 90s. It's just a lot of layers. Everybody had mm-hmm. on a lot of clothes. And then, and then, I forgot I wrote this note down, but then I got really deep at the end, was then they all had their coats back on at the end, and it was like, were they just shedding layers of themselves the longer they were there? That's the note that I had, was that as you see, as they go on, as they're kind of revealing more about themselves, they're taking off more layers of their clothing towards by the end. There's like I mean, in- luckily for them, the 80s was just like, oh, he's wearing seven shirts? That's fine. Mm-hmm. But then they could just be real artsy and like mm-hmm. make it really deep. They get in there. They're all all self defensive out talking to each other, and they've got nineteen sh- jackets on. They start kind of taking their jackets off. They kind of realize, oh, I, I can't expose myself if someone else is. And mm-hmm. then it, by the end, they've taken off. But then they go back outside, and they are now with their parents. They gotta be like, oh, I'm so defensive again. This is some deep stuff here. Symbolism. I mean, Emilio Estevez in his tank top and um, mm-hmm. I don't know what her the actress's name, but Allison oh. ends up in the like short sleeve shirt that Molly mm-hmm. Ringwald gives her after her makeover. Her pretty girl. Yes. Inside. They've all just shed everything. But um, even Brian takes his sweatshirt off and just has a t-shirt on with his jacket when he's mm-hmm. walking out to the car. So they're all slightly different, but they've revealed their inner selves. Yeah. Some deep stuff in the breakfast club. Um, and then uh, I think this is just a little bit of the fact that I'm parenting a toddler right now, but I've also been a teacher and just, when the principal was just giving detentions to Bender mm-hmm. and he was like, I don't care. And he was like, well, that's another one. And he's like, still doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And just that feeling of like, I need to do something to punish you, but I don't know how, like what's going to work for you. So I'm going to keep taking stuff away from you. And I just felt that like, obviously it wasn't working, mm-hmm. but I, I felt that power struggle of being the adult being like, I need to do something to punish you because your behavior is not acceptable. 
Yeah, but really I'm so I'm so worked up that I I can't see mm-hmm. this power struggle that I've gotten myself into. So I'm just gonna keep dying on this hill that I've gotten myself on. Yeah, I think it also kind of showed him the 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 principle like him um escalating before he realized that was like the only lever he had to pull mm-hmm. was like another week, another week, another week, and he realizes that he has now lost the leverage there. Mm-hmm. And all he can do is just add more onto that. So it's kind of like that showing that power struggle of like he wants to wants to do more, but as a teacher he can't really flex anymore on this kid. And he kind mm-hmm. of shows like, hey, I actually don't have the authority in the situation besides just the the one lever that I have. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those times where like as a teenager or college kid or whatever, when I watched this the first time, I don't know how much I would have appreciated that, but having been like an adult in a situation similar, I mean, obviously not giving out Saturday detentions, but just feeling that like, oh no, I've, mm-hmm. I've not pushed myself that far, but understanding a little bit more of where the principal is trying to come from, where he's like not as probably not as compassionate and trying to be helpful, mm-hmm. but he's also trying to have like some order and some, control of the mm-hmm. chaos and he's lost that control yeah and i think removing him from the room was the smart move there as opposed to just continuing escalating but he just kind of wanted to flex in front of everyone else mm-hmm. um but yeah i think in that situation he just made him look weak for sure and i think that's how like aging didn't it didn't age well is that we are a lot more aware as or we try to be a lot more aware mm-hmm. as parents and as teachers of what does and doesn't work for certain kids and how to mm. try to help and he support didn't seem like those things. He was things. very introspective or oh, they no. cared what anyone else might have said there. Absolutely. He, just like he wanted to have it his way. And when someone else pushed back, he didn't really mm-hmm. know how to react to that. For sure. Um, and uh, while watching them run around the school, I was like, huh, this school is kind of familiar. And a lot of these scenes were shot at the same school that Ferris Bueller was mm. shot at. So there's yeah, a little bit of crossover. It, like at least Ferris Bueller was supposedly supposed to take place in John Hughes like hometown mm-hmm. so that makes sense there yeah. and because their lockers the that they had the like rows of lockers on this like in some hallway and I was like I when we watched mm-hmm. last week I was like I've never seen lockers that are just kind of like tucked into like a corner that mm-hmm. way and then they showed up again this week and I was like I've made a mental note of these before. This is what Chicago era, area mm-hmm. lockers must have looked like. And then I was like trying to figure out how do I word this in Google so I get the answer that I want mm-hmm. and it looks like there was a little bit of crossover there. Um, Brian. Easily the funniest character of them all. I mm-hmm. laughed out loud of more for him than anybody else. Yeah, he didn't say much at first but he had more confidence than you would have given him credit for based on how he looks. Mm-hmm. He, and just like his so delivery, break out of that shell. his delivery of a lot of things and just the way he was as a person and how mm-hmm. he just answered questions and stuff was just very comical. Mm-hmm. And then he gets like really deep and heavy and you see he's going through a lot of stuff and mm-hmm. just want to like tell yeah. him that your grades in high school really don't matter as much as you're led to believe. He kind of reminded me of me in the beginning, not necessarily just being nerdy, but just being like, I'm going to keep talking even though no one wants to hear what I have to say. And someone's probably going to come like punch me for continuing to talk, but I just think that I'm myself and funny. So I'm just going to keep saying it. I didn't want to say it because I didn't <laughs> want it to be perceived as like a put down, but I yeah. did kind of. Despite this season five. cool, like, you know, rugged man beard I've got going on. I was very small and nerdy back in high school. <laughs> yeah. He definitely gives me some Andrew vibes. Um, and then I'm just a little concerned about my own personal memory because I've seen this many times before and I don't remember anything about 
them smoking weed. Yeah, me neither. Okay. It's <laughs> okay. been cut from the TV version. <sighs> Makes me feel so mm-hmm. much better. I don't remember them taking it hot, from his locker. Hotboxing a room in the library. And I will say the hotboxing is when it kind of came back to me. But that whole scene, I mean, I remember like them dancing and like all that mm. kind of stuff. I remember that. But the weed just completely and gone from my memory. Just, like, they kind of like sneaked it and tried to like mask the smell. They like literally hotboxed an entire room. And there was just so much, um, you know, out in the open smoking the weed that I'm like, there's no way you wouldn't have gotten caught. That would that would reek right. and that would smell very strongly. That was my anyone biggest Anyone that walked in from a mile away. Um, that was the like least believable part about all of it. Mm-hmm. Like climbing through the whatever ceiling, obviously it doesn't seem super realistic in most places. Uh, but they smoking the weed and just not expecting to get caught yeah. immediately or there's right after. no way that all that smell would go out yeah. before the principal came back. Cause Absolutely it didn't look they were making any effort to mask the smell. Mm-hmm. And I also just like, would the weed have been a bigger deal in the eighties than it is now? Uh, on school property, I feel like it still would have been a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, I just don't know. Like, would that still be like yeah, the, the, the risky thing that they drugs, would do? All that. I don't know. I still feel like it would not have not have looked good, especially doing that in detention on school property. Still, yeah. would, probably would have been a a, a big valid, valid big point. issue. Um, and then I also something I want to look into this week is if there's this is like a. I've been struggling with the wording of this, like this style of story where you're like confined with other people and like the truth telling kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, is there like a, well, I know a bigger in, picture of this? I know like on TV, it's called like a bottle episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I feel like that's the closest terminology I have for everyone kind of being like in a, in a very confined set, just a couple people kind of talking, working mm-hmm. through their stuff. But I feel like, like also the, like you're stuck with these people who you're not, you clearly don't hang out mm-hmm. with in school and that brings out like the, the truth telling and the like mm-hmm. introspection and all that kind of stuff that, um, you know, watching this, I was thinking of, you know, certain like one tree hill episodes and like those like teen dramas that were popular mm-hmm. when we were teens that there, there, this has to be some kind of like bigger story. <laughs> but that's also just like yeah. the network wants to save money. We're just going to stay on our main set. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not do anything crazy. Yeah, I don't think this was necessarily done for that. It would seem like it was more done mm-hmm. for the movie itself. But on that same note, does this happen every week when they go to have Saturday detentions? Does every mm-hmm. Saturday detention bring out these like? It's the club every week. Breakfast every, club. Meets. But like, are these same five people in the Breakfast Club every week? Probably not, because I don't think that Molly Shan or Molly Ringwald, sorry, <laughs> Molly Ringwald <laughs> skips school every week to go shopping, and that what's his face Emilio Estevez tapes what's <laughs> tapes his butt cheeks together every week to be in detention. Well, that does the different group every week all of a sudden just become this like realized group. Well, we know at least one person's going to be there for the next few months. Well, yes, Bender will um, be there. And they showed in the beginning, everyone kind of, or a bunch of people having carved their names into the various places, mm-hmm. or at least carved sayings that, I think this is just, you know, a glimpse into one instance of mm-hmm. the Breakfast Club. Yes, but does every Breakfast Club bring this, like, awakening? 100%. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. your confidence. At this school, this is what the Breakfast Club does. <laughs> um, and then my last note is, this is the first movie where the iconic scene for me, the iconic scenes, because there's a mm-hmm. couple to me that stick out, are at the end. Not in the first five minutes. So, I mean, obviously, like, the fist is, like, the last scene. Mm -hmm. But also, to me, what sticks out from this movie is when they're all dancing in the library. The dancing, the, like, 
over exaggerated mm. yeah yeah all their like 80s dance moves that mm. whole scene is what is iconic to me and for it being at the end was so weird because it's always at the beginning for the last couple of movies that we've mm. seen so yeah big switch up yeah, with the breakfast stick club. it through the end if you want to actually understand the breakfast club unlike most other movies where it's just five minutes in yep saw the scene mm-hmm. to go home. move on all right those are my notes yeah um so in my notes i had the um don't you don't you forget about me obviously mentioned that being a, a big I uh, think the iconic Breakfast Club um, song. Um, I wonder what Anthony Michael Hall's up to these days. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see him without thinking of that stupid AT and T commercial every single time. So, just quick, quick backstory: When we first started dating, we were watching wasn't the OC? I think it was the OC on some streaming service back in like twenty fifteen. Some yeah, and the CW or something. And. Every single commercial on it was like an AT&T commercial. Mm-hmm. The same AT&T commercial. And it would start off, have you ever wondered what Anthony Michael Hall's up to? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was the first thing I thought when the movie started. Every single time. I cannot see him not thinking of that stupid commercial. Oh, we'll, I think about. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll link that in a short or something. Yes. Um, I love the sign. It, not really related to the rest of the movie, but the sign in the beginning that just said hackers will be expelled. And I also just wonder how much of an issue were hackers in 1985? Like, you know, the World Wide Web wasn't really established. Like The internet was born in 91? Yeah, they're like, what, what really were these hackers doing? I guess hacking into their own school database, something from that? I don't know. Just, I, I kind of want to look into see like what the capabilities of the computers were at the time in, in the 80s. That is the nicest school library that I've ever seen. It's definitely the biggest library that I've ever seen. I only went to my school library like twice ever, but it's it was two stories. There was just so much going on. Yeah, I I should a have made a note. Big open area, all like the what is that sculpture? Yeah, a big but, art sculpture in the middle of it. I mean, I just feel like there has to be some kind of backstory to this giant mm-hmm. stone thing yeah, in the middle of your library that uh, they could sit on in the middle of the the scene, and, but and dance around and. Yeah. It just seemed way larger. I, maybe I guess before, I would say before computers, but obviously there were computers there. Um, before you, people just use the internet to do research and read everything, you needed a big over the top library with mm-hmm. a bunch of desks to check out books and do Probably research. Probably like a card catalog. Mm-hmm. The Dewey Decimal System. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just seemed way larger than any school library we have around here. For sure. I will say when he was mixing up the card catalog and not that I ever had to use that mm-hmm. in my lifetime, but it just like really stressed me out. I was like, but like all that's mixing mm-hmm. stuff up. Like I just, uh, really how are you going to find up. the books? Right. Lost forever. I did. I did notice like in the library, the scene seeing like card catalog and it was like mm-hmm. a through l m through whatever and just thinking like we didn't we never lived in that time See, i don't even i don't even know small system in school did you ever have to learn that loosely like i think in elementary school oh. and in the time i was just like oh this is so obvious i couldn't tell you really anything about the Dewey decimal system now other than the fact that like it was a system for organizing books in a library but um, now you just go to the library and you're like i'm looking for this mm-hmm. that now i kind of want to not for this pod, but I just going to like do a quick, quick uh, recap on the Dewey Decimal System. Yeah. Wow. It's a very loose memory, like way in the back of my yeah. brain that I have to really think about. Yeah. Um, I noted that it, this felt like it um, felt like a play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the eat my shorts scene was very much the eat my shorts. And he said it so emph- emphatically, but it still looked like it was something that should have been like dubbed over on like a eat shit or something. Scene. I just really wish that we'd been recording our faces when that scene came on. His face was 
amazing. He was so excited. <laughs> Every, each time he said it, just, I, so what a weird thing to say to someone. Are you going to start saying that now? Probably. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I want, I want to see in what application you feel like that phrase Probably like the is the right least one. appropriate time. So we'll find out. Oh, um, why get stoned in the middle of this whole detention thing? If I feel like if you're going to get stoned, get stoned like beforehand and or after, um, and leaving your drugs at school just seems like it's a really risky for no apparent reason thing. Obviously it's wrapped were, up in baggies, but were drug dogs a big thing. Yeah. I don't know when drug dogs like first started becoming prevalent, uh, but just seemed unnecessarily risky and kind of, kind of silly. I don't mm -hmm. know. I could, I could have seen him getting, like, stoned as hell. Before, maybe he was before he got there and then just been like, well, it might wear off, you know, partway through, but whatever. Yeah. Crazy. I hadn't thought about that, but it does make sense. Um, I thought the, the part where Emilio Estevez had his, like, big, moody, dance, punch, karate scene. It felt very much like Mac from It's Always Sunny where he was just like... Oh. <laughs> Doing yes. the karate <laughs> and he's like, um, it was like cross between jumping that. over the bookshelves and everything. It was a cross between that and um, <laughs> uh, High School Musical. Yes, like if Mac was in High School Musical, hundred mm -hmm. percent. It just felt not not Troy Bolton from High School Musical she, as Mac, like Mac from It's Always Sunny, mm -hmm. in singing a song like he's in High School Musical. Yeah. It just felt very awkward and unnecessary that he's doing a bunch of like punching and karate things and That's a bunch so of backflips while he's acting all angry. Well, he just came out of like this hot boxed library room. in the foreign languages room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, that was weird. Just uh, made no sense, but just guess guess just trying to show like his his inner fight, his inner struggle mm -hmm. with himself. Um, noted that it felt like they were stripping off layers over time as they were in the library. They had like 19 layers of clothing on them. Like those people are going to overheat. I'm so glad that we both realized that. I've just like, it occurred to me like at the, like when they were literally leaving the school mm -hmm. and saying goodbye to each other where I was like, huh, this is a lot deeper than we mm -hmm. thought. Cause I mean, we made note of all the yeah. layers and I just thought it was just Peeling fashion choice, layers. but they were just, they were like Shrek. They were like onions. They were mm -hmm. just taking their layers off. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves parfait. Uh, the social pressure and regret. I don't know what I made this note for. Um, I mean, I think that just general in general, yeah, high school puts a lot of pressure on you to whatever box you somehow find yourself in within the first year, you mm -hmm. kind of just have to stay in it. Yeah, I don't really know where I was going with that one. We could cycle back if you yeah. have it. Um, what happened to them being like afraid to make a sound in the beginning? They're they're so afraid to like make any sound or that the principal is going to keep leaning in. And by the end, they're like blasting music from the the radio. Right. They're the like smoking player. weed, dancing, singing, doing everything. To like, did they? That know made that me uncomfortable just, when like, they started left? blasting the um, record player. I was like, are we not? Aren't you supposed to be quiet? What's mm -hmm. what are we doing here? Yeah, they they really kind of reverse course on that really quickly. And I don't know what reason they had to think that he was not going to come burging in at any any second. Um, and then I want to look back and count because it said the essay had to be a thousand words. I had, I had some issues with that too. <laughs> and at the end, um, they're reading the essay about the, you know, sign to the breakfast club. I want to know if anyone's going back to count how many words that essay was. Oh, I'm, I doubt I'm it was a thousand, certain. but the, I just want to know. The internet's been around for I a while. I hope it's exactly a thousand. But my bigger thing was we grew up in the time of computers. Mm-hmm. That like if we had to know a word count, you just 
hit the mm-hmm. word count button in Microsoft Word and you just know how many mm-hmm. words your essay is. It, or it, was he ex- it showed the word count at the bottom, which is cool. Was he expecting them to just sit there and count to a thousand? I mean, they had like, what, seven hours to write something out. Eight hours. Yeah. I don't know. It just made me really think about a different time. I mean, also, disclaimer, my high school, we had laptops back in 2000. I had a, I've had a laptop in school since sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So Back in my day. Back in your day was different than back in my day because I've had laptops since mm-hmm. middle school. That just thinking about having to count. Did you ever have to, like, in high school, have a word count on your essays? I don't think I ever had a word count. It was always maybe like a two page double space or, yeah, and double space, size 12. Figured out like, the whole like one and a half space versus three X space if you really want to change those things. Uh, get, a, get around what you mm-hmm. need to do. But was um, it ever words? I mean, words probably makes more sense than a page count. I think there might have been times that it was words. But I think for the most part, it was like two pages double spaced. Yeah. Sometimes I had more to say and I'd adjust the margins. Sometimes I had less to say and I'd adjust the margins. So mm-hmm. oh, Those tricks. Mm-hmm. Do what you got to do to get your page out. We'll see how many um, words my Breakfast Club essay is when I find it. Yeah. Ooh. Is it a Can't thousand? Wait. Ooh, that'll be so deep mm-hmm. if it's actually a thousand. That's crazy. <laughs> Zero chance. Um, and then I have do have one more note because I noticed it at the beginning that I do love how they set up all of the kids by having their parents drop them off because it's such a movie about thinking about your personal experiences in your life and how that affects who you are and who you feel like you need to be and who you're mm-hmm. like pushing yourself to be and to have um like molly ringwald's dad giving her sushi and like being like oh you don't have to worry about what your mom says and seeing that there's some kind of like mm-hmm. feud between her and her parents and that that's got to be who's gonna bring sushi her. to somewhere though that you don't have like a refrigerator i don't i wasn't even gonna go into that because like <laughs> that's another yeah. level um and seeing emilio estevez's dad being like you know, like, oh, you're so strong, like, you're the jock, and, like, hyping mm-hmm. him up, and Brian's mom, like, being like, you're not going to do this again, and getting all that, and then um, Allison's mom, parents just dropping her off and pulling away without saying anything to her, mm-hmm. and Judd Nelson just walking into the school by himself, that I just, I love how they set up mm-hmm. each of the characters, and I feel like that was, without being overly obnoxious, especially at the beginning of the movie, because mm-hmm. you don't even... I mean, if you don't know, if you've never seen the movie, you don't know what it's about. It's just like such a subtle way to set up each of I these characters so quickly. Because in the beginning, he was coming from like the front of the school. And in the end, he's walking like through the football facility, which looks like the opposite side of the school, maybe. Mm-hmm. There you go. But also, why does he even show up? Why does he even come? Mm-hmm. Like if his parent, like it'd be one thing for like Brian to not show up because his is mom he? is going to drag him by the ear into the school and be like, you don't do mm-hmm. this again. Like, why does he come? Does he? His dad would like beat him, I guess. True. But does his dad care? Who knows? Yeah. Maybe uh, dad's looking for a reason to be mad. Lots of layers. Mm-hmm. But it is a good movie. And like, obviously it's so deep, especially mm-hmm. when we really talk about it, but it, I don't, it just leaves you with this like mm-hmm. cozy feeling. Maybe they'll make a sequel on Apple TV and everyone will hate it. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't sequel that. <laughs> I could see some sh- like station trying to make a sequel though. And it just being terrible. I know. Yeah, we're in such an age of remake mm-hmm. remakes that I just... Everyone loves nostalgia. I don't, don't remake this. Just mm-hmm. leave it in its little box the way it is. Either you uh, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. All right, episode 10. Cheers. Cheers. See you next week. Mm-hmm.